Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to the Null Sports Podcast. It's uh, It's been a while since we've done one of these. We, uh, we had a staff turnover with uh, Antoine Staley moving on, and we're happy now to have a uh, Andre Fernandez on board with us doing this for the the first time, so it's good to have you with us, Andre. Oh, thank you, Kurt. Appreciate it. It's been a fun, you know, opening month covering the Seminoles, and you know, can't wait for it to get. To, it's starting to get real with practice now for sure, but you know, I can't wait till the real thing when we're out at Dope covering the games themselves. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's been great working alongside you for sure. We actually are uh, joined by a special guest uh, today too. We got our our boss, the sports editor of the Tallahassee Democrat, Jim Henry here with us as well because Jim's about as good a person as any to talk about, I mean, the news of the week, the news of, I mean, probably the year as far as Florida State's concerned with Bobby Bowden, legendary Florida State coach. I mean, he put Florida State football on the map, passing passing away uh, over the weekend at uh, at 91. And so, Jim, we, we thank you for joining us as well. Oh, I appreciate it, fellas. Thank you very much. Uh, like you guys, I'm getting very excited for the start of football season as well. I think everybody's um, hoping and anticipating for improvement uh, under Mike Norvell the second season. But um, yeah, you're right. It's been a been a tough few days with the passing of Coach Bowden. Uh, even though it was expected, um, he had been in poor health here recently, and you know the recent diagnosis of uh, pancreatic cancer um, pretty much everyone knew it was going to be sooner than later um, but it was also very cool to hear coach Norvell talk about uh, how his team is going to honor coach Bowden and everything they do this season so it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out no definitely I was very impressed with Mike Norvell who I know only met Bobby a, a small handful of times and how he talked about how he's kind of the the example in terms of not only building a program but how to carry yourself as a coach as a man all of the above and I mean obviously that's true I mean I feel like so much of the aftermath of the of coach Bowden's passing has been I mean obviously the accomplishments but it's been the stories of who he is as a man I mean Jim you covered him for quite a while in one capacity or another I guess what were kind of your first interactions I guess when did you kind of first meet him and those first interactions like <laughs> It was back when my hair was blonde, you know, back in the mid-80s, and I was still a young guy um, with the Tampa Tribune, and, and Tribune actually moved me up here in 88 to cover FSU uh, firsthand. Um, started covering them a few years earlier, but obviously commuting. Um, but you're right, and, and I think this the, the impact Coach Bowden, you know, not only made on the game of college football and here at FSU and in the community, um, you know, I, I think just the utmost respect that people have for them. And, and I'm sure Andre being from Miami and, and uh, you know, attending the University of Miami, I think what's been so cool is, is you know, the stories that you alluded to is that everybody, um, including opposing teams, opposing players, you know, had the utmost respect for Coach Bowden. So, um, yeah, I had the privilege and honor of covering him since the mid-'80s and um, really got 
even better um, in retirement. And here, the past couple of years, uh, just doing our during our telephone calls, and just it was just always so much fun to talk to him. Yeah, and, and I and I think uh, what you made the point about me being from Miami down there. I, I think um, you know it was always like you you didn't just know Coach Bowden from the rivalry, even from that side of it. There was a, there was always a respect too. You know, like you'd hear the stories of just his personality, the way he'd personally like take an interest in his recruits when he'd go and, and into kids' homes and, you know, welcome them, you know, to his home or, or, or here to Tallahassee. And I think that resonated a lot, no matter if you were the opposing side, you know, in a rivalry as fierce as the Canes and, and the Knolls have been, there was always that respect because he was the fixture. You know, he was always the guy that you knew, even though you were trying to beat FSU from that from that part of it. You know, there was always that, that that admiration because of the fact of the way he the way he carried himself, not just you know, as as far as like football success, but and, and we've seen that those stories emerge more and more over the last few days. Even even some like you said that, and you know, I never had heard about little. You know, I love the cool like anecdotes about how celebrities would, you know, have these these uh these meetings with him. Like Jack, you know, like Jack Nicholas wrote a really nice uh, tribute to him on on social media about how he was thinking about quitting, I guess, in the, like, I think it was in the mid eighties or something like that. And then Bobby told him, don't give up, you know, persevere. And he did, he ended up winning the masters, I believe like one more time, something like that. So like little cool anecdotes like that have been, have been good to see in these last few days. Yeah. Kenny Chesney, right? Yeah. (laughs) Kenny Chesney too. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember that. That was, that's pretty funny. Um, Yeah. Chesney uh, played in the spring game and, or not actually didn't play, but took a few snaps. And um, but yeah, it's I, you guys hit on the head. I I think everybody across different spectrums were, were attracted to Coach Bowden, and mainly because I think he's just an every every guy you know everyday dude. I mean, he was very friendly and honest with everybody, and I, and I think the a key to his success too is that he made everybody feel important. You know, um, he always had that line that when a reporter called or requested an interview, he always thought that person deserved you know a story so and he was quite the storyteller yeah i mean right until the the very end i mean he was in the he was in the phone book robert kleckler bowden and i mean obviously i know until pretty close to the end too there was kind of the i don't even know if it was a secret of if you left something on his on the doorstep and and with kind of the the note of what you wanted it signed with it a couple days later you come back and be sitting there ready to be picked up Oh yeah, no. He he's been doing that for years. Um, yep, his phone number was listed in the phone book, and shoot, I don't even know if they make phone books anymore. But um, <laughs> yeah, and until the last few weeks, people, fans were leaving stuff in his carport, and you know, Sue Hall, uh, his longtime administrative assistant, you know, was so good with him and so helpful, and you know, she'd make sure everything was organized and get stuff, get coach to sign that memorabilia and put it back back out on the carport. People would would pick it up, you know. He just, uh, you guys know. I mean, we're just we're never going to see that kind of coach ever again. It just uh, an era has passed. That's for sure. No, definitely. I mean, he is a. It's a definite bygone era situation. I mean, I guess you you weren't there for the the start of it, the the early days. But I mean, you're there. I mean, not long before. I mean, right at the start around of the the run of top five finishes. I mean, what's it like? covering those teams and how he kind of just threw all that through pretty unparalleled success that you're, you're not going to see maybe ever again in terms of 
14 straight top five finishes, kind of st- he stayed himself. He never changed. Yeah, I mean, the down, yeah, I, I, I can't argue. I mean, I, it, you got to pinch yourself. I mean, I covered the covered the program during the dynasty area, and, and some of the old uh, media folks that you know I still stay in touch with. I mean, we used to laugh. I mean, at the beginning of the year, we, we were always trying to figure out which bowl game we're going to go to. Hey, we're going to go to Tempe. We're going to go to Miami. We're going back to New Orleans because um, you always knew during that era um, that you know FSU was competing for a national championship. I mean, they were recruiting that type of talent. Um, it also reflects uh, the coaching staff that Coach Bowden was able to put together, the continuity. I mean, many of those guys were his same coaches throughout that whole, you know, 14-year run. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's you're never going to see that type of domination ever again. And 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 really during that time, the only question was is, hey, are they can they beat Miami and you know can they win a national title? Yeah, I, I mean. Uh... It, it, something he's known for as much as anything is probably the 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 one-liners, the the jokes, all things of that sort. I guess. Do you have a couple favorites of yours from your time covering him, or from after? I guess. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It's not so much even the lines. I mean, you think about it during that time, and it's just really how much college football has changed. I mean, back then, all the practices were open. Um, heck, I can still remember. You know. We, we should throw the football between freaking the practice fields during practice, you know, just, uh, <laughs> when they break and, and uh, you know, the breakfast with Bobby after home games. Um, and even on road games, uh, Wayne Hogan, sports information director at the time, we'd have a 3 p.m. Uh, conference call with coach, you know, for the for the beat riders. So, um, you know, it's just, again, you got to know the coaches. We, you know, the old more athletic center you know, really, you could walk up there any at any point and any time. If coach is free, he'd see you, or you know, you make an appointment, or you know, we had the opportunity to walk through there and knock on assistant coaches' doors. And if they were free, you know, you could sit in there and yap with them for a while. So, I mean, those days are long gone. You know, some athletic departments you can't even get into anymore. So, um, but yeah, so many fond memories. I mean, it's just it's hard to you know pinpoint one. I mean, it was back in time where I'd take my son out there and Coach Bowden would he'd sit on Coach Bowden's lap on the golf cart and Coach would spin him around the practice field, you know? Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, I mean, I feel like all too often with guys who kind of live, eat, sleep, breathe football, and I don't think Bobby was one of those. I think Bobby always talked about, like, football is what I do, not who I am type thing. With so many of them, I feel like you you see that they don't kind of last long or have a life after they retire. And that Bobby got almost 12 years, I guess. What can you say? You talked about how great your relationship was with him after, I guess, just how he got that phase of his life where he kind of just got to live the retired life that I'm sure he always wanted to. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is an interesting way to put it. I mean, obviously the ending was not what he wanted. You know, he certainly wanted one more year, and that was still an emotional time and emotional decision for him shoot he you know he didn't talk to tk for a number of years um until they you know met up again at a at a function so um yeah you know and a big thing is you know his faith was so intertwined to both his career and his life um and you know and i i think during retirement he was very focused on staying busy and you know also staying out of fsu's hair for a while you know until he finally came back 
but uh, played a lot of golf. And uh, again, I just uh, certainly enjoyed my conversations with him. And a lot of times it was about football, and some other times it was just about you know what he was doing and what, with wife Ann and the family, and um, and just some a, a lot of great memories that you know I'll cherish for a long time. You talked about how kind of he. He he wanted to stay out of FSU's hair. He I'm sure didn't want to, and I'm sure there was maybe some resentment involved in that, but of kind of not wanting to cast the shadow or be the guy who's ever present. But how much do you think those those visits he got back? The 2013 was it the NC State game in 2013 where he got to play at the Spear. The couple times I know he went out to back to practice early in the uh, Taggart era, and I think early in the Norvell era again. Just those trips back out there, even when he was by that point somewhat physically physically frail. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think he really enjoyed him. I, I think he, you know, there came a point where uh, I think he felt comfortable in returning, and and um, and I, I I certainly think those opportunities were important for him and his family. And um, again, it, you know, because it, it's for him to retire here in the city where, and basically in the shadow of a program that he built. Um, I don't want to say from scratch, but you know, back in the mid '70s, the Became very close to you know shuttering football because it was losing money and it was that bad. But you know to think what he did at FSU and for this community and and really uh, other coaches and sports are thankful for you know what football has accomplished here in terms of you know raising enough money for everyone. So um, I don't know. I, I, again, I just I think here in the later years he. he enjoyed being here he enjoyed um you know tallahassee and uh, and everything it had to offer and he was a huge fan of fsu i mean when i called he just uh he'd want to know if i knew what was going on and he just loved talking football loved talking fsu football and college football we saw the other day talking to ron dugans and Oda hagans the emotion in both of them obviously just for the the impact he had on every player that came through his program's lives and what can you say about i mean how how I know he was a uh, he was he's quite forgiving and gave players lots of chances and I'm sure a lot of players are I'm sure very grateful for the role that those many chances had in kind of turning their lives around and just the roles he had on caring for how they were as men not just as football players. Yeah, coach. You know, at one time took a lot of heat from the national media of um, you know saying maybe you know he was too lenient on on kids and you know giving them second chances and. But you know, he was a big believer that um, players needed father figures in their lives, and he promised parents when he went and recruited them that he'd, uh, you know, do his best to watch them over four years. And and I, I you're right. I, I think, and probably Andre could even attest to this, even watching from afar, that um, you know, he really cared about his players. I mean, he wanted them to succeed and be successful, not only off on the field, but off the field as men. So. Uh, it's again. I think you see that in all these, all these amazing stories and tributes and uh, players across all races. I mean, it's just uh, it's been very, very impressive. Yeah, I, I yeah, mean, no. go ahead. No, it's the same. Definitely, like I was saying before. I mean, you would hear even even before I was covering, you know, and, and became a reporter down there. You would you'd hear those stories, especially like when you come down and. You know, recruit someone from South Florida. Like you'd hear very similar to what you know I've been hearing the last few days about just that 
you know, that, 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 that interest that he would take. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's why he was so respected, you know, throughout, not just beyond Tallahassee. Yeah, the kids love him. I mean, it's funny. Brett Williams was telling me a story that uh, he, Coach Biden had called the team together, and he was really, really getting on the receivers. You know, I guess they were running the wrong routes. He said, hey, you got to run a route. You got to run routes this way. You got to do this. You got to, you know, turn it And this is the way I want to run. Then he stopped and he goes, looked at Peter Work and said, Pete, you can run it any which way you want. <laughs> He just, he, I think he just did a great job with the players, and and, uh, and, and I think at some point, you know, I, I think at points they, you know, didn't want to disappoint him, you know, because he had their back and gave kids second chances, and you know, so I mean, obviously, with the, remember the Janikowski, Janikowski rule when he missed deadline or, or missed bid check at the Sugar Bowl, and uh, he joked and said that. Uh, Janikowski followed international rules. He didn't have to follow FSU rules. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the stories I'm sure could could just go on for forever. Of I mean, what not what you saw firsthand, what you've heard from people. I mean, he's just it is. It's been really crazy, and I'm sure Saturday service is going to be emotional and powerful and hilarious all at once. With I mean, some some really impactful people i mean it, it's crazy to just look at the impact in terms of what all the people that he coached what i've all gone on to do and it's going to be a great to have that many people definitely all in one place celebrating a a life well lived uh, yeah, there's going to be more more laughter than tears you know you're right it, it will be emotional and, and just from what you guys have seen and have been reporting on this week in terms of you know flowers being left at the bowden statue and um, again, you know that's what makes social media so very cool too. Is, is that people are, are are given the platform to share their stories about Coach Batman and maybe how he impacted their life as well. So, um, yep, I mean it's an era is gone. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm open to uh, anything else you have to say, but I mean I think we've uh, we we've done Coach Bowden proud. Yeah, and I think you know, with, like I said, with you guys talking to the players out there these you know on this team and and you mentioned uh, ron and odell and, and you know just how coach Biden impacted them and and i'm sure they, they and the coaching staff as well and it, like you said it was very cool to see coach norvell um just uh, speak so highly of coach Biden and, and the impact that he's had on him as well definitely we uh we appreciate you joining us jim there's a uh, not much a much better uh Bobby Bowden source than you, so we we appreciate you taking the time. No, fellas, good man. I appreciate the invite, and like you guys, I'm really looking forward to the start of the season, and um, can't wait to see how they look against Notre Dame. I know we've had discussions on this on in terms of the importance of this game in the opening month, and I think FSU fans are just so excited to cheer on improvement, and uh, you know this program needs to get back to winning. Um, for everyone no doubt i'm uh i'm excited for uh a uh, a full crowd at least i mean we're assuming a, a a full crowd i mean it's been almost two years or it will have been almost two years by the time uh november or se- september 5th rolls around i i imagine that's going to be an emotional night not just for the i'm sure awesome bowden tribute video that's going to get played yeah you're, you're, you're getting a full crowd 
barring anything <laughs> that we're uh, not aware of between now and then, you're getting a full crowd. Are you, there, this, yeah. This, this time? That's that's mostly what I was mostly I was accounting for the what we don't know. But you're right, and truthfully, if Florida State fans didn't buy up the tickets, Notre Dame's enough of a brand that I bet Notre Dame would. No doubt. Yeah. In fact, the, that tweet that was going around about I think about a month ago from a, from a previous uh, Notre Dame FSU game hyping up everybody. If, if you saw the response and the retweets that that got, I think everyone can't wait is itching to go there on on that Sunday night. Most definitely, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be, it's gonna be chills. Yep. Yeah, and, and Coach Biden has had repeatedly said that he thinks Mike, I mean Coach Norvell, is the right choice, and he was, you know, was so impressed with Norvell's energy and organization. Um, really loved the coaching staff. Um, again, now it's just a matter of, uh, you know, you got to get it done on the field. Yep, and then that would be a uh, that would be quite a statement if they came out and even if they kept that one especially close against what we find out today is going to be the seventh ranked team in the country. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. I'm sure, Coach Bowen will be watching. <laughs> Most definitely, he'll have one of the best seats in the house. We we appreciate you joining us, Jim. All right, fellas, thank you. Thank you, Jim. All right, let's uh, let's get into some some maybe more more current events, if you will. Let's talk some. Uh, camp now i mean it football is here i mean we've had what three days of practice andre yeah. and uh it, it, it three, three busy days might I add they did the split squad for those first three days we're talking now on tuesday and they're coming back now together wednesday in one practice together but it's a uh, it's been a busy few days and and we're obviously grateful to mike Norvell and staff for letting us watch pretty much all of it so it, it's given us a lot of great intel through three days yeah, I mean, anytime it, it's a rarity now, especially on the college football level, to have you know that kind of at least access. I mean, I know you know we're just basically like watching, and there's some stuff that, for competitive advantage purposes, you can't really put out there. But it's good for perspective to see, and the way it's interesting this at the at the state that FSU is in right now, you know, rebuilding the way they are, the way Coach Norvell decided to do these split squads in order to kind of be a little more hands on, you know, have dedicate a little extra attention to a lot of the newcomers, a lot of the younger players, the freshmen. And so it was good. To, it was interesting to see him and the assistant coaches really take a, a very detailed approach with them over the past three days and, 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 and really just drill the fundamentals and, and a lot of the basics as well as like the schemes they're going to go with this year, that sort of thing. So, you know, some guys stood out, some didn't. Obviously, it's early still in practice, but I think that aspect of it is interesting, the fact that they're taking that step in order to – to really catch everybody up because this off season, as we've talked about, was about having a normal off season leading up to this, where the, which is something they didn't have last year after a coaching transition. You know, now you're seeing how young this team still really is, and you're trying to acclimate that mix of that with veterans. So this was a good way, I think, to do that, especially early on for three days. And now you take a little break to recover physically, and boom, now you get the full squad, and and, and here's where it really kicks into high gear and pads and so forth. You know, as, as you lead up to Notre Dame. No doubt. I mean, you're right. You talk about the the youth, and obviously, yeah, I mean, by the end of last year, they were the, the youngest team in college football in terms of percentage of underclassmen. And, yes, they've added that experience. But even then, they're, they're guys who are new here who are having to learn often new schemes, whichever side of the ball they're on, new verbiage, things of that sort. And so, yep. yeah, it's, it's definitely been interesting. And, and we get to see – a great deal of that and we get to see how the coaches are in that setting which is not something kind of a lot of people get to get I know a lot of programs for instance might get like 
two practices where they get to watch all of them to start, and then they get a much lesser period. And as long as uh, people kind of play by Mike Norvell's rules, which are there for a reason, and I fully understand, I think everybody fully understands why they're there, I think we're going to get to watch a good bit more, maybe the just about the entirety of preseason. And that will help in that we can uh, definitely give better input as opposed to having to rely on kind of hearing from people that are out there. And even then, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because you didn't see it with your own two eyes. So right. if we can start, I mean, obviously, what what is probably the, the, the hot-button topic, the the thing people care most about in the, uh, the quarterback competition. I mean, obviously, I think people – I'm not sure if anybody, and I'm not sure if you should entirely give up on Tate Rodemaker or Trevor Purdy long-term. I think they could still be that option. But I think this year, it sure seems like, especially from them both being taken to ACC kickoff, that it's coming down to Mackenzie Milton, the UCF transfer, and Jordan Travis, who a few years ago transferred from Louisville, but he's kind of the, the returning starter and definitely was the spark of the Florida State offense last year. They, uh, been going side to side. They were the two kind of practices, the quarterbacks in the veteran practice these past few days, and we kind of got to see them uh, go back and forth, I guess, kind of what from what we've gotten to see through three days, what were kind of your impressions, Andre? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you there as far as Tate and as far as Chubb. I think um, you don't give up on them, definitely. And and I think in, in start, I'll, I'll start real quick just with them and that part of it. You see some of the tools that they have. You know, you like the, the arm strength both guys possess, and I think it's a matter of experience where right now, you know, McKenzie and, and, and Jordan definitely are the front runners, but, you know, Chubba came away in, in particular pretty impressed, you know, with the way, you know, just physically his presence, his size, you know, the good, the good, uh, the good throw, the good deep ball that he throws too, and and he made some impressive plays in camp these last few days as well. So it's good to have those options because, as we know, like AJ Duffy's the big quarterback recruit that they have coming in, but you want to have those options later on because McKenzie's only going to be here one year, and then after that. You've got, you know, Jordan's already a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore at this point, so he'll still be in the mix. But the more quarterback options you have, the better. But going back to those to those guys, I think the the biggest thing you want to see is the chemistry between McKenzie and the receivers continue to grow. And you saw some glimpses of that. But first day was a little rough. You know, there, there's there's been moments where Milton's kind of the ball's kind of sailed on him a little bit on some underneath throws and, and on some uh, throws over the middle. We saw in some like short range work, but. You know, you're starting to see it as the as the day as the couple days went on. A little bit more chemistry there. He made some nice ones yesterday in the third practice. And Jordan, I do, I like the dimension that Jordan Travis brings, which I know Coach Norvell has mentioned. Even if let's say McKenzie is the starter, Travis could still be involved in the offense. I like the fact that he showed some the elusiveness, the the mobility, the ability to make plays to improvise a little bit. We had the the, the one play that stood out to me was that low snap where he got grabbed it, avoided the rush turn around and fired a dart to, 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 you know, to, to Wilson on the sideline there and made a great play. Those are the types of things that he brings to the table as well as just his quarterbacking and the experience he had from last year. We saw him win a few games for FSU early in the season, you know, once when they were kind of in disarray at the beginning. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of people have Milton pretty much, you know, penned in already. It's not a done deal, obviously, but I think the mix of the two of them, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if like coach was saying that, both guys get a say, even if maybe one guy is the primary starter. I don't think the other one is going to get shut out of the mix altogether. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Obviously, it was it, it was a hyperbolic joke the other day by Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator. But I think he talked at the media luncheon about he's like, you know, if uh, 
if if the four quarterbacks are all among the best 11 guys we've got, they'll all play. You know, it, it was kind of just the statement of we will play the best guys, whatever that means. And I think you're absolutely right. I think especially if McKenzie were to win the job, there's definitely a role for for Jordan. I mean, Jordan, what's been really remarkable about him is, I mean, he has his moments as a passer. He's never been an especially refined passer, but he's always yeah. had success on the ground, even when you have to assume opposing defenses know what his strength is, know mostly what he can do. It seems like even if they kind of know that's the main asset of his game, they still can't really stop it all the time. He still was right. the team's leading rusher last year. So right. if he's able to take that next step, especially the passer, and keep defenses even more honest, I mean, that's going to really open his game up. And, yeah, I fully expect both of them to have a role. I mean, you also look at last year. I mean, obviously injuries happen, so you have to be prepared for that. And, I mean, obviously I think having two guys that Florida State – feels good about in that regard helps as well as to I mean uh, it's tough I mean I would probably still say and there's something to be said for I think we saw it in the spring game Mackenzie Milton being a gamer shining when the lights are on being a guy who just what it, I don't know what it is about him but w- didn't look great all spring in practice Jordan Travis was better and then the lights came on in Dope Campbell Stadium with the fans there and he had a great performance I mean it there's something to be said for that, no doubt, but it's interesting, I guess, how do you kind of weigh the player who probably looks better in practice? As I would still say on the whole, Jordan Travis has, although it's it's close. There's not a huge difference between the two compared to kind of what you saw from Jordan from Mackenzie Milton there and obviously the uh the the track record. I mean he's uh the one thing I'll say for Milton, it's pretty 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 consistent thing across three days. He struggled some with uh overthrows, throwing a little high, missing guys high, when he's missed that's what it's been. And obviously that can be worrisome in terms of that's the type of play that could easily lead to an interception, but he's also made some real nice throws. Yeah. No, and, and not only that, but it's only, again, you don't want to put too, too much stock in three days of work, especially when it's not the entire squad there together yet. No doubt. But it was good to see him getting some work with Andrew Parchment, you know, both guys, both him and Jordan, you know, incorporating him into the mix. You know, the first day he was working in the session that was a little bit more of the younger guys, more of the freshmen, but then, the past two, he's been, you know, dealing with more of the, the veteran group, the more experienced group. So, yeah, I mean, look, quarterbacks will, will step up. The, the great ones will do that. The great ones may – you can't take them for just practice, you know. But, again, it's it's only three days. We may see better days uh, out on the practice field from McKenzie. But I think we really won't know until that night if and when he's the guy in, on that first drive lining up against Notre Dame. And then we're going to really see – if he is the guy that he was, or or hopefully for FSU's sake, as close as the guy that he was at UCF, and can be that sort of leader and that sort of you know dynamic playmaker in an explosive offense, we saw a lot of tempo too in practice this week. That's something that's very you know signature Mike Norvell type, you know, and, and they want to have the guys knowledgeable enough and with the experience enough to be able to run an offense at the tempo that they're hoping to. To, to keep opposing, especially the defenses they're going to run up against this year, which are a lot of them are going to be stifling. They have to do that. And and the the, the normal offseason, it's, I guess, not entirely normal, but far closer to normal offseason will help with that immensely. I mean, I think you definitely saw a group last year that, that I mean, they got three spring practices in. And, yes, they got a preseason, but even during the preseason, we didn't kind of hear who was out when – because we, uh, I, the FSU was pretty guarded about uh, people that came in contact tracing or anything like that. 
So we didn't, but you had the worry, and I guess could still have the worry, but I don't think it's as much of a thing, of losing guys for periods of time. And I mean, they they definitely, I mean, Mike Norvell talked about before the start of spring, or preseason, not spring, how much more confident he thinks this group is. And that confidence kind of comes through the work. And they've gotten that work this offseason, so I do think that'll... Uh, That'll help them. I mean, we can look. We can move from kind of the the quarterbacks to the guys. They're going to be working with a lot. The uh, the wide receivers. It's. Uh, I would say they're probably coming off their uh, their best day Monday. They. Uh, and we knew it was a group that kind of lacked those trusted playmakers. That's why they felt the need to to bring in a guy like Andrew Parchment from Kansas. And we've seen some some ups from that group. We've also seen some downs, as is to kind of be expected, considering who they have there. Yeah, and, I, and that's where I don't. I still don't know if they really have that explosive stretch the field guy yet that that can really, you know, take that group to the next level and 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 make them you know respectable again. But they do have flashes of of, of, of some good talent there. I mean, Keyshawn Helton is showing again now that he's healthy. You know, the 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 explosiveness that he has, you know, underneath as well as you know he can take the deep ball a bit. I mean, but but he's going to make plays. He's going to be an important factor. Just with with his speed, with his hands, just the way he's going to be able to move the chains for that offense. So you saw some of that in practice the, this week as well. And and yeah, I mean, I think if Parchment, you know, we you, you wrote a story about it today, how they talked about um, just the way he's being coached very closely. They want to get him very much up to speed, you know, because with his experience, and you know, you, you see a sizable receiver like that, one that you know that they don't have that many of right now. That's going to be important. To, to have that type of a guy within their offense as well. But I, I think they really need not just them, but, you know, Ontario needs to step up. They need a lot of their their guys to take a, a leap this year of some sort to, to really just drive that offense to, to a different level because, if, like again, I keep going back to it, but, you know, the poll came out today and you already saw, as expected, it's going to be five ranked teams on the schedule, two more that are in the mix to potentially be ranked teams down the road. It is not going to be an easy slate week in and week out for this squad. And, and, and so any progress that they can make is, is just going to be very, very paramount for them. Yeah, no doubt. You talked about some of those guys. I'm with you. Ontario's had a, de- a pretty good first few days. He He's looked like, I mean, he he needs to do a little bit more of everything. His role's kind of always been like a, he he goes deep well and sometimes struggles with kind of a complete – Route tree. I think an interesting wild card too. I mean, another new guy. This guy, though, a true freshman, is is Malik McLean. He uh, had his ups and downs in the spring. He had a really good spring game. Another guy that kind of shined under the lights, or at least that's what it seemed like. And he has been with that veteran practice and the the starters really all three yeah. days. He sure seems like a guy who's going to contribute in some capacity year one. And if you can get a, it's been a while. I mean, in my time covering Florida State, it's been a while since they've had a true freshman come in and really. Uh, make a an instant impact i'm trying i'm struggling to kind of come up with someone that's had a pretty big role as a freshman i know we would hear about tamori and terry as a true freshman in practice but he redshirted he didn't really play that first year so if he could do that i mean that would be a a a big boost for sure he's a guy who could be a great red zone target and is definitely capable of making the big play as well there um we gotta move around some i mean it, it's tough to – we're three practices in, but the most they've done has been in shells. and that w- So it's tough to kind of get a read on the uh, the trenches because they did a little more in the shells Monday. But yeah. who, we don't know. I mean, the problem is and, – and I say problem. It's a good thing. The NCAA kind of reduced the number of 
padded practices in the preseason because some research showed that a lot of concussions and things of that sort, which is obviously a hot topic issue in football, has been for a number of years now. A lot of that happens in the preseason just because of your, your – I don't know if it's you're tired of going to your teammates or whatever. It's just a lot in a quick period of time. But So they reduced that number. And so Florida State, I'm assuming, is going to have one, a padded practice before their first uh, scrimmage Saturday. But we, it's tough to get a read on kind of the, the line play entirely until you see them in full pads. Yeah, it really is because, again, it's just drills and basically, you know, you're not going full speed as, as you normally would. And so until we see that, then you can start to better gauge that part of it. But I think, again, you see little glimpses of it. I think the biggest thing to me was the pass rush when you have on the defensive side of the ball, when you have a lot of the new guys that are finally there, the line is starting to look intact. We still haven't seen Marcus Cushney completely working with some of the guys that we expect would be on the defensive line yet. But that being said, you saw, you know, he's compact and like bull rush. You know, he has like just just that powerful kind of guy that can blow blockers off the line. You saw some of that already. You saw, you know, Keir Thomas lined up with, you know, with, uh, you know, Jermaine Johnson on the same line. What those two could do is bookends potentially, you know, to rush the passer. Only 10 sacks last season. That's nothing. I mean, it's got to be so much better this year. For them to have a chance but again it comes down to i think the run defense too the guys like robert cooper and the, you know they're in the interior those are the guys that I, I i feel have to have a much better year stopping the run because right off the bat they're going to face a very you know powerful running team in notre dame and you, you just can't have those games where you're giving up 200 yards a game like they did last year so the, one, once the pads are on you see that and then on the flip side of course the offensive line coming together they've had some good days they've had some bad days the first day was pretty brutal for them but then they bounced back and started to show a little bit more of the next couple of days you know getting a little more gradual push up front the running game looked better in seven on seven you know i'm sorry on 11 on 11 drills and, and that sort of thing but again very early to kind of tell until it's all together and looking more like a simulated game action type of thing yeah, it's, I mean, there there are obviously a lot of intrigue on the offensive line. It it seems now that they definitely have more guys capable of competing for spots than spots. And obviously, considering where Florida State's offensive line play has been, especially where it was in 2018, 2019, it's a great problem to have. But it's right. about, I mean, finding that right group. I think a guy like Robert Scott was very impressive as a true freshman, kind of holding down that right tackle spot. And it seems like they're trying him out some at left tackle this offseason, kind of see if he's a guy who could be that that blindside tackle. And, I mean, he's a yeah. – they're throwing some stuff out of him. I mean, he, he's he's had to go up against, obviously, not in pads yet, but a Jermaine Johnson and or a Keir mm-hmm. Thomas or a guy like that. And he's he's yeah. done decently well. I mean, I've, I've been impressed with Rob. I know he's somebody who uh, – if you bring him up to Alex Atkins, he can't help but just kind of smile and, and, and yeah. talk pretty fondly of him. And I will say, Alex Atkins is someone – who isn't going to heap a ton of praise on you? He's very much like of that, like the prove it right. mold. No, no, no nonsense, right? Yeah, now. yeah. And so he, uh, yeah, it's it's. In, I mean, he he was a guy. Robert Scott came in and contributed a lot after being a summer enrollee last year. So he's now gotten yeah. a full off season. Where's a guy like Darius Washington? Who I mean, you've got a couple guys who you're looking at at guard in Devonte Love Taylor in Notre Dame transfer Dylan Gibbons, right? And yeah, Dante Lucas. I think you feel good about Maurice Smith at center, but it's about kind of figuring out who goes where and where those pieces fit. And once we get that first padded practice, once we hear that first scrimmage goes Saturday night, that'll be uh, telling. 
And that's where it's good to see Gibbons already working, you know, very much so in that role. And you start to see him kind of, you know, where they you start to kind of see how what kind of an impact he could have, you know, coming from Notre Dame. And you mentioned Love Taylor. I mean, that's another one right there. I mean, if they how soon are they going to be able to get him completely up to speed and be a vital part of that offensive line is going to be huge because obviously, you know, the experience that he brings as well. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you're 100% right. We'll definitely uh, have more on that, I'm sure, once we once we see them in pads however many times over the next week. I mean, they get, I think, seven padded practices in the preseason, and they haven't seen any of them yet. So it definitely seems like you're kind of banking them up, and it makes sense to kind of have a couple to uh, get up to speed. We can look at, I mean, uh, you look at linebacker. I've been impressed with uh, Stephen Dix Jr. He... Uh, Always looked the part. He was very physically impressive even last year, stepping in as a true freshman into a pretty big role at Mike Linebacker. And he, uh, his big thing at times was uh, filling the right gaps and knowing his responsibility and executing that and not getting kind of his eye discipline, if you will. And I've seen, I've seen him be improved there through three practices. You kind of have to have it with the caveat of that. But I've seen him doing better about filling the right hole getting into the backfield. I think he had in a pretty in one 7 on 7 period. I think he had two tackles for loss in pretty quick succession. He's uh he's definitely looking good which with a guy like Emmett Rice, I know coming back and Mike Norvell has talked about how he maybe even be a little ahead of schedule but coming off a pretty severe injury back in the spring but isn't quite all the way there yet. He it's definitely helping having a guy like Steven Dix. No, no doubt about it because you know if, if Rice isn't available let's say by week 1 you're going to have to. You're going to need these guys to step up. And we talked about the run defense as well. You know that there's the huge part of it as well. Those linebackers, and like you said, that maintaining gap integrity was something that they struggled with mightily last year, and it, it has to improve on the backside. And then, I'm, I would say also what I came away impressed of, you know, talking again on the defensive side, taking a step back into the secondary, the addition of Jamie Robinson. I mean, this is a guy with good instincts. We saw that nice interception he made in, in, in the workout yesterday where he jumped the route and uh, made a nice play and then, you know, made a play that if it had been for real, could have potentially even been a pick six or or, so, or something close to it, uh, you know, with the way that he was able to, to read uh, on, that, on that drill there. But also Jarvis Brownlee is another one. I mean, when you look at some of the plays he's made, he's won a lot of those one-on-one battles. He looks like a, a good cover corner a lot of good instincts uh, that he's displayed and again these are just like we can't know we're beating it to death here but it, it's only three days of practice but i'm just taking away like the little glimpses of what you've been reading about these guys what you've been seeing you know from the, the guys that were in the spring and and some of them that haven't been able to show out until now that we haven't been able to see you're starting to see kind of you know the the, the, the tool set of each guy and starting to see what they can contribute and i think that's the biggest thing is you're, it's kind of validating some of the, you know, some of the some of the the reasons that they've been brought here and and, and the hope that they have that they'll make an impact fairly quickly. And another one, real quick, that I want to throw in is Patrick Payton among the amongst the freshmen and and uh, and Bray Jackson as well. Like both of them made some plays up front as well. And I think that maybe they're not going to be that uh, consistently in the mix this season because they're just starting out as true freshmen. But I think down the road. Those are two potential guys that are going to make, you know, huge strides and could be long-term pieces of this defense. Yeah, well, you look at them. I mean, they could be pretty important, I would say, as quickly as next year because Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas are great pieces, but they are quite literally one-year rentals. Right. This time next year, you're not right. going to have either of them. So even if they both come in and both yeah. have, say, five or more sacks, 
That's great. Yeah. It will make your team much better this year. It does not help you beyond this year. Right. There's stop like, gaps. Yeah. Stop gaps. And then you got to you got to develop and flourish these guys that we were just talking about to be ready to be the long term you know uh, replacements later on. Yeah, I, I mean, you, we're talking a lot about the defense, and I mean, it's right off the bat we're gonna see the uh, where where this uh, this unit is at. I mean, obviously, I think they're confident that they're gonna be improved this year with all they've added, with kind of everyone having another year under their belt, bringing back. Uh, a decent amount. I mean, you lose a guy like Asante Samuel, you lose a guy like Hamson as a real Dean, but you mm-hmm. bring back a lot. And and with another year under its belt and you add some really nice pieces, it's going to be put to the test right away. I mean, I'm interested to see Notre Dame, obviously, you look at the offense, replacing a three-year starter in Ian Book at quarterback, replacing four offensive linemen, but they have so much depth there that, I mean, it's a, it, it, yeah. it, you expect them <laughs> to be just... solid there at the very least. No doubt. I mean, I, I was going to say it's almost like an offensive line factory at Notre Dame. I mean, we're talking about them losing so many, but you know they're going to have guys ready to go, and they and they and they do. And I think the safety spot, especially, is an area where you really need to see improvement for for FSU because that's that's such a big part of the four two five scheme as well. And and you know that's where guys like they brought in Jarquez McClellan from Arkansas. But you need to see others step up. I mean, Travis Jay is in that mix. Renardo Green is in that mix. Miko Dotson made some plays this week that we saw out there. You know, Akeem Dent is trying to, you know, make some strides. Uh, Coach Norvell said he liked what he's seen out of Shaheem, Shaheem Brown so far as well. So the, the, uh, um, just overall the secondary, but mainly in the back, the, the, the guys that are going to play safety, I think really need, need to, you really need to see improvement out of that unit. Um, so it just makes the whole defense better and and, and flourish. Yeah, it's uh, and it'll get put to the test right away for sure. Between that and then what Wake Forest two weeks after that, it's uh, I mean, it it's the tough. We talked about it a good bit. You have to kind of strike the that balance between identifying the state of the team and what you've liked and and what's been maybe a little worrisome through three practices, while also realizing. It's three practices out of a lot more over the course of the preseason. So, I mean, I'm sure we'll, uh, it's entirely possible our, uh, our opinions will have changed drastically by Wake this time Forest. next week. Yeah, and Wake Forest, interestingly enough, I, I was a little surprised. Not one of those two teams that was in the also-receiving votes. And, you know, that, that's interesting because that really shows you how that game is really pivotal on the schedule in week three, you know, for, for both teams. Yeah, I, I would say I would label it surprising that Florida State received one vote. One, I think one vote meaning I think that means they got one twenty-fifth place vote. That wasn't you, Kurt. No, I, it? well, it's a coach's <laughs> poll. I'm not a coach. I kid, I kid. <laughs> Mike Norvell, it should, be, it should bear noting, is not on the list this year. He's not one of the coaches go. voting. <laughs> no, but it was surprising. I was surprised but, that not at NC State and BC being two those two that were also receiving votes, but really I thought Wake. I've heard a lot about Wake having one of their better teams in recent memory. So again, I mean that a road trip week three. I mean uh, FSU. Most people would say would probably be one and one at that point. If they are, he makes it even more of a pivotal game for definitely. Yeah, we're gonna learn a lot. I mean, obviously, if they can keep that Notre Dame game close, win or lose, you keep that game close in the fourth yeah. quarter. It's a game that says a lot. But you're right. I mean, right. I think a lot more hangs on the result of that week three game. And obviously I think we'll, we'll touch on that a good bit more as we get closer. I mean, we have to kind of see wh- where this team is at, what they've looked like through 
through two games. I mean, you look at last year's Jacksonville State game, and I don't expect a repeat of this, but they had to pull out of an early hole. They were down pretty big early in that game before yep. Jordan Travis came in and really saved Florida State's bacon. So I, it will be definitely worth keeping an eye on. And, I mean, I'm sure we will have a lot more. We, we unfortunately don't get to – the scrimmages are kind of the one thing we're not allowed – to, to watch this fall. We will talk to all the coach, the, the Mike Norvell and all his coordinators after both of the scrimmages. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll get some good Intel out of that for sure. It'll be interesting to uh, hear what they have to say, to watch a couple more practices. And I'm sure we'll be uh, back next week with, uh, with, with plenty of different takes. I'm sure some stuff will have shifted dramatically. Who knows where the quarterback situation will be then. Who knows what the, the practices all together will look like. We'll be dealing with that for the first one of those uh, tomorrow. We'll have plenty of content from that, from, from all the practices up on uh, Tallahassee.com and NoelSports.com. We are uh, proud of the work that we do, that our entire sports staff and really our entire newsroom does. If you're not a uh, subscriber to the Tallahassee Democrat, I, I really can't encourage you enough to do so because just I, I, I'm very proud of not just what I do, not just what Andre does, but what what everyone does. I, I just think it, they do really good work. And so I, I would encourage you, not just for our sports content, but for everything, to subscribe. You can uh, please well, and, go ahead. No, and, and, well, go ahead and tell them, tell, them, uh, tell them about our YouTube channel. Tell them about uh, – I was going to tell them about our new Instagram, Florida State uh, content page, TLH Knoll Sports. So yeah. check us out there on our Instagram. Yeah, please. We are we are launching that, so that's new. But yeah, we'll have plenty of great stuff there. Plenty of pictures, videos, stuff of that sort. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna do more stuff. We're on the Tallahassee Democrat YouTube page. We are gonna have more of the uh, post practice videos where we're we're talking about what we saw that day, or we're talking after an interview, or once the season starts, we're talking after a game. We're gonna have that stuff that's gonna be posted on the YouTube for sure. We would appreciate it if you check us out there. You can follow me. I'm on Twitter at uh, Kurt, C-U-R-T-M-Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R. Andre, you're at? Fernandez, Andre C. And, uh, and yeah, like I said before, I mean, I would say, you know, the, the Instagram page is up. We, we're, Kurt and I are going to, like he was saying, we're going to give you a lot of analysis, you know, post game uh, as well as, you know, from time to time now during fall camp, we're going to continue to give you, you guys our insights on what's going on out there as, you know, everything continues to ramp up. Like we said, full squads are coming now this week. And then after the scrimmages, you know, once things continue to get more and more real as they prepare for Notre Dame, we'll, we'll, we'll be right there taking you, taking you to it and, and telling you as much as we can. <laughs> no. Yeah. We, uh, we appreciate you listening. We, we hope you'll join us next time. We'll be back. Uh, I, I mean, obviously we, we had a, a staff change, losing Antoine and, and now bringing on Andre. And so there was a bit of a lull with the uh, podcast with that. It was also the off season, but we're going to have these out regularly for sure. And I'm sure we'll have some unique guests, unique people we can have on to kind of talk about the state of things. We'll be talking about all the sports as those seasons all ramp up. This is not just a, a, a football podcast. So we, we appreciate you for listening. Have a good one.